You are listening to the Philip K. Dick Book Club, a companion series to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. In this series, we are looking at the entire works of Philip K. Dick. Today, we'll consider the very, very short story, The Eyes Have It, published in science fiction stories in the early part of 1953. The first thing I like to say about the story is this is not the first time that Dick has told this story. Um, like another story published in early 1953, Rook, this is a story about perception. Uh, I'll be uploading that story um, pretty shortly. Rook was written much earlier than this story, but this one may have come out a little bit earlier or around the same time. Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, coming, it, was, it came out like in the first quarter of science fiction stories for 1953, so I'm not quite sure which day the issue actually came out. Um, so to just to discuss the story in general, it's only two and a half pages, maybe even a little bit less than that. Um, so what's happened? So the narrator has learned about an invasion of Earth by alien life forms. And he informed the government of this and the government just sort of laughed him off uh, for his uh, his warning. So the warning seems to have been a paperback book that he found on the bus. So he finds this paperback book and he starts to read this book and he realizes that this is actually a document proving that there's going to be an alien invasion, right? And so he goes through and he, he gives the quotes that he read in the book and then he gives his thought process about each of these, these quotes or each of these sections of the book. He finally despairs after going through all this and uh, gives up and decides to play Monopoly with his, his family. And he decides he doesn't want any part of this strange, goofy alien invasion. He concludes at the end of the story, I have no stomach for this. It, it seems pretty silly uh, said that way, but um, let me give you one passage uh, that will kind of make a point about this story. He's quoting from the book. He says, his eyes moved from person to person. So that's the quote. That's the quote from the book. And here's his commentary on it. There it was in a nutshell. The eyes had clearly come apart from the rest of him and were on his, their own. My heart pounded and my breath choked in my windpipe. I had stumbled on an accidental mention of a totally unfamiliar race, obviously non-terrestrial. Yet, to the characters in the book, it was perfectly natural, which suggested they belonged to the same species. And the author? A slow suspicion burned in my mind. The author was taking it rather too easily in his stride. Evidently, he felt this was quite an, a usual thing. He had absolutely no attempt to conceal his knowledge. The story continued. And then he ends up giving up on it. I'll go through some of these in a little bit uh, to give you a bigger idea of, uh, about what the story's coming at. Um, but that's, that's, the, that's the plot summary. So this story is essentially a joke on figurative language and its potential uses or misuses or the confusions provided by figurative language in science fiction. So it's more of a, a joke or just an, a thought experiment. Now, I guess one way of knowing if you are reading speculative fiction is to consider if figurative language could be taken literally. If you can, you may be reading a science fiction tale. So here's some examples of some figurative language that we probably have heard many times before that in a science fiction tale could be taken in a very different way. Number one, he flew off in a rage. 
right? We, we think of this and we'll say, well, it's just someone got upset and, run, run, and, and runs off or, or walks off huff, puffed up. Well, of course, in a science fiction tale, it might be literally he flies off, right? It might be a superhero or he maybe has a rocket. Um, so in, you know, in a rage, he, he flies off. Really, another one that's similar to this would be he is as solid as a rock. You know, again, we might just be talking about someone with a strong character, a good friend, something like that. Or we might be talking about someone who literally is, has a rock skin or an alien of some type. And then uh, I picked a third one just from the song, the, the Frank Sinatra song. I think it's Frank Sinatra. I've got the world on a string. I'm sitting on a rainbow. Right? Of course, that has a certain meaning um, in, in the context of the song, but we hear it in a science fiction setting and maybe, you know, it, it's literal. We could maybe take it as literal. Of course, we could go on and on in this. We use this kind of language all the time, this figurative language, but in a science fiction tale, it becomes potentially scary and, and fearful. Um, and Dick here picks some doozies. So I'll just go through the quotes from this uh, book the narrator is supposedly reading. One, his eyes slowly roved around the room. Two, his eyes moved from person to person. Three, presently his eyes fastened on Julia. Four, Slowly, calmly, his eyes examined every inch of her. Five, he put his arm around Julia. Presently, she asked him if he would remove his arm. He immediately did so with a smile. Obviously, six, obvi outside the movie theater, we split up. Part of us went inside, part over to the cafe for dinner. Seven, I'm afraid there's no doubt about it. Poor Bibney has lost his head again. Eight, and Bob said he has utterly no guts. Nine, Lack, totally lacking in brains. 10. Quite deliberately, Julia had given her heart to the young man. 11. Therefore, thereupon she gave him her hand. 12. He took her arm. 13. Her eyes followed him all the way down the road and across the meadow. So those are the quotes in there. Now, some of these are really a lot of fun. I especially enjoyed the commentary given on the splitting up. Um, section. So the quote again was, outside the movie theater, we split up. Part of us went inside, part over to the cafe for dinner. And our narrator responds to this, binary fission, obviously, splitting in half and forming two entities. Probably each lower half went to the cafe, it being farther, and the upper halves to the movies. I read on, hands shaking. I had really stumbled onto something here. My mind reeled as I made out the passage. Okay, the point of this story is, is obviously to, to make us have fun with this, but I think the main point is in science fiction we can, you know, we, we have more freedom to read stuff literally, and sometimes maybe authors have to be more careful about how they use this language. Now, let's try to dig in a little bit deeper. I probably shouldn't dig too deep into this particular story, but, but let's see how far down we can go. Now, the most likely reading of this, of this is that the narrator has picked up a vulgar popular novel and read every sentence literally and can only come to the conclusion that he is describing an alien race ready to attack, to invade the Earth. So in this sense, the reader is, I guess he could be sane or insane. There's essentially four options here, right? We got the narrator is insane and correct. Now, this is maybe the Lovecraftian reading of the story that the narrator has found this book of, you know, the alien plans, reads it, through reading it, realizes the truth 
that the Earth is under invasion of this alien species, that these aliens live among us, and is driven insane through it. Right. So his insanity is not something that's getting in the way of him being correct. It's, it's a function of his, him being correct. A, a second reading could be that he's insane and simply wrong, that he's just a crazy guy, and he reads this, and because he's mentally unhinged in some way, because maybe he's got schizophrenia or he's got some other issues, um, because of his insanity, he's unable to read the text as it really is, so he takes this regular generic novel and misreads it. So this is kind of something Dick will play with a little bit. He's got several books that really take on the issue of madness. Um, and he does a lot of interesting stuff with the theme of madness. I, I don't know if th this may be his first real effort to maybe explore madness in this way. But um, there it is. Insane and wrong. That's probably how most of us may, might read this story. You can also read that the narrator is both sane and correct. In fact, there is an alien invasion. These aliens exist. This book is a document of those alien activities. The author is completely sane and he understands this and he's got this warning and, and therefore it's, we, can, we can just read this story completely literally, um, just like the narrator is reading that book he has literally. And then finally we have the narrative that the, the, the possibility that the narrator is sane and wrong. Maybe he's hyper-rational. Maybe he also is completely literal. He's like that character Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's not capable of metaphorical or figurative thought. And he makes mistakes because of this, but it's not because he's insane. He's just, for whatever reason, incapable of understanding um, literal language. Maybe he was raised, you know, in a situation where, you know, no one talked in figurative languages. So it's not an issue of insanity. It's simply a matter of him not, you know, understanding it. So soon on in this podcast, I'll upload an episode on the story Rug, which is essentially the same tale of perception. In that story, you have a dog who sees the garbage men as of a threatening alien force. Um, but there's another level of possibly reading that story in which we imagine, well, maybe it's maybe the dog is actually seeing these garbage men as they really are, an external threat that will um, possibly harm humanity or at least harm his family. Uh, of course, you know, we can read the story in, in several different ways, as I tried to lay out earlier. I'm going to stop here. I don't want to get too deep into the story. It's really more of a joke than uh, a story. It's, it's an idea, uh, a concept put on paper, but not necessarily something we should spend more time than this on. So with that, I will go. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can share this, rate it, um, subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this, maybe you would like to listen to my 100 Pages cast where I look at American writers more broadly um, using the Library of America as my source material. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next story. <laughs>